how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. What's up, guys? What? Samir, yeah, that's no. not how we do this. I was just, no one does that anymore. I just wanted to reference it. You and I talked about it earlier today that YouTube used to be what's up, guys, and people don't really what's up, guys, anymore. So right, I, this isn't even on YouTube. Yeah, but I thought I would like bring back what's up, guys, you know? It's like vintage now. All right, anyhow, welcome to the show. <laughs> today, uh, we are talking about our friend Andrew Schultz, and we're going to tell you a story about him and how he brought his comedy special to the world. It's a very crazy story, and it's a very innovative way that he did it. It's a creator empowerment story. Yes. So Andrew Schultz is a comedian. He was on our show about six months ago. And on the show, he talked about how he's used YouTube to propel his comedy career. And in addition, he talked about how he wanted to release his new special. And he wanted a creative idea on how he would release that special. Now, what ended up happening is that he actually sold that special to a streamer. But then that streamer wanted him to cut out some of his jokes. And if you know anything about Andrew Schultz, or if you watch our episode with him, you would know that that is not something a guy like him is okay with. So Andrew actually bought the special back and released it himself. We're going to tell that story. And we're also going to play some clips from the last time we talked to Andrew to talk about his mindset and how he's disrupting the world of comedy. I'm Colin. And I'm Samir. We're YouTube creators. We've been working together for the last 10 years on this show. We cover the world of creators and help you with your creative business. And if you've been enjoying the show, or if you're brand new here, you could also do this. Uh, it'd be great if you could review the show. We've gotten over 1,200 reviews on Spotify, and we're at 4.9 stars. Someone wasn't happy, but most people, this is how we should promote the show. We're almost a five-star show. And I know there's nothing that Samir would want more on his birthday. That's right. It is my birthday. Than a podcast with a five-star rating. So if you could do me a solid, rate, review the podcast, and try and make it five stars. All right, let's get into it. Oh my gosh. What? I just looked at the Reddit. What's happening on the Reddit? <laughs> it's a Photoshop photo of me as a park ranger. From Jesse? <laughs> Not from Jesse. Not from Jesse? <laughs> just from one of our Redditors. This one's, this is like the top post on the Reddit. <laughs> you look like the guy in Men in Black. You know what I'm talking uh -huh. about? The yeah. sugar and water guy yeah. with no neck? Yeah. Sugar and water. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Right? Sugar. Sugar. sugar and water. Give me sugar and water. Yeah. All right. So first and foremost, when Schultz came on our show in February, I remember like in the room, I'm not, I'm not used to someone who is willing to say a lot of things. That sounds okay. confusing. You tiptoed around that. I tiptoed what, around that. Because you hear, I'm like already nervous about controversial this, right? things. Yeah. Vulgar things. He says, he says controversial things, but when the, you told me yeah. that he was going to be on the show, yeah, I admittedly didn't know that much about him. Right and watched some of his clips of mm -hmm. his comedy. And I couldn't believe we were having him on the show. I thought it was right. a bad, she thought it was a bad idea. Yeah, I remember that. I was, I, I was very obviously 
pro because I'm a fan of Andrew Schultz. And I, I over time had, had recognized that like he, he's a very sharp individual, the way he does comedy, but it's really abrasive. And as I said, when I tweeted out about his new special, I said his comedy is not for everybody. And that's yeah. okay, uh, but it's not for everybody. It's it's aggressive, it's abrasive, it's... And when he came in the office, mm -hmm. he said some aggressive, mm -hmm. abrasive things. And what we learned was that a lot of times he would say those things yeah. to then make a point about the reaction yeah. you naturally had, like yeah. sort of a shock value. See how you actually react and that will tell how you actually feel about it, right? Yeah. If you're okay with it. And in addition to that, you know, I think why I even came around to having him on the show was because I watched his TED Talk. Mm. And started to understand that he's much more thoughtful, especially when it comes to strategy mm -hmm. and just about the world of comedy and content than I assumed yeah. from watching his clips. And I think not only that, he's also someone who recognizes and, and is a big proponent of the sanctity of comedy, right? Like this this safe space that is uh, like if you come to a comedy club, you come watch a comedian, you click on a comedian's clip, like there is a certain set of expectations and, and, you know, like there's a safety in that space that it, the context is comedy. I think that's a really important thing. And, you know, as the internet has opened up and allowed for comedians to build direct connections with their audiences, you know, in the past, what Schultz said to us on, on our show, he told us that the business of comedy used to be, you know, try and get a comedy central special and, you know, maybe act, which is something he did. Comedians became actors. Yep. Like they did touring, they did a Comedy Central special, and they did acting. But as the internet has changed a lot of things, like even today, we, we got to talk to Cody Ko and Noel Miller, um, and they are comedians who have used podcasting and used the internet to have a direct line of communication with their audience. You look at Tim Dillon, he's built an audience on Patreon. Look at even like all these comedians have taken to the internet and, and built, you know, typically podcasts. The thing that was different about Andrew Schultz, is that he filmed a comedy special that he wanted to pitch to Comedy Central and to different, you know, maybe HBO, but no one would pick it up. No one would touch it. So and we, he found that at times when he was at comedy shows and he was performing and they were filming on those nights to yeah. make shows for yeah. Comedy Central, that he kept getting cut out of the shows. Right. They never mm -hmm. would put him on air. Yeah. So he then took all of his, his recorded material for this special and he said- Let's just clip it up and put it on YouTube. And those clips caught fire. And all of a sudden he recognized that YouTube was this amazing avenue for him to get his material out and to not hold his material so sacred, just put it out. And as the material started to gain traction on YouTube and eventually Instagram and now TikTok, what he started to realize was that his clubs started filling up when he would do live mm -hmm. shows in places that he definitely did not think he had an audience. And, and one type of clip he did a lot of was crowd work, meaning like he's standing on stage, there's someone in the crowd, he's kind of riffing back and forth, you know, poking fun at them. We just went to a comedy show, sat in the front. You told the comedian to poke fun at me. I said, what's up it, with that? If you're going to do crowd work, that guy would really enjoy if you did crowd work. Okay. Him. Yeah. It didn't work because it was forced. Unfortunately. Yeah. It just made, so that's on you. That was on me. I, I, I created an uncomfortable situation, but he did crowd work with myself and my brother and he called us the, what did he call us? The Brown Jonas brothers. Yes. That made me laugh. That, that was really funny. That, that was worked. funny. And the whole room laughed and it was good. It was great. And like everyone knew that I was Nick Jonas. Yeah. But instead for me, he just told me I had a dumb shirt. That's true. It did not land. 
It didn't land with anyone. And, and I now felt I left just thinking, I felt, well, that was rude. Yeah, that was. Cause this it guy was, just went out of his way to say, I have a dumb shirt on. Right. Well, the context was you're wearing a shirt about running and you don't run. So there was, there was, well, there was more, there was, there was nuance to that. Better joke. for the story. If I leave okay. it out. Crowd work. Back to crowd work, which what Andrew realized was also that crowd work was unique to that specific show. So he could put that stuff out and then that stuff started to catch fire. And yeah. he realized Be- because generally comedians, right, they build a bunch of material and they'll tour for an entire year on a certain yeah. set of material. So you wow. can't generate material and put it out as clips and then expect to go have the same show where mm-hmm. everyone's already seen your work. Yeah. So like you said, yeah, crowd work, he realized he could put out and it would just be promotion for him. I mean, we also went to Hassan Minaj's show that he was filming as a special. And they locked up our phones, right? Like you can't film that because he doesn't want that material out there because he's, he's trying to hold it and sell it. And, you know, Schultz alongside with putting out this comedy work, he also had a podcast and still does with Charlemagne uh, called Brilliant Idiots. And then he started Flagrant with uh, Akash Singh and those two podcasts still go on. So he's like, he's, he recognized that like, actually it's about putting out more material, which is a creator mindset, right? It's, Mm -hmm. Hey, let's put out more, whatever works. We'll figure that out and let's build an audience. Let's build a community. Let's have a conversation. More content is, is better, which, which is a departure from what, the business of comedy was before. Yeah. And what we want to play for you right now is a story about the moment he realized that there was a shift taking place between how comedy was done in the past and how he was going to go about it. So I couldn't really get into the traditional stand-up industry. So I had to kind of like figure out another way. And I was already kind of dabbling in the YouTube space. I've been doing the podcast with Charlemagne and I've been seeing like all the people that are actually like selling tickets on the road had like podcasts and like YouTube presence. I was like, okay, there's a shift going on here. What's going on? And I remember I was at my uncle's uh, house and I asked his uh, son, he was a kid. He was like nine years old. And I asked him to put on the NFL playoffs. And I said, uh, he goes, what channel is it on? I go, ABC. And he goes, what channel is that? Hmm. And I was like, oh, it's over. Like in that moment, I was like, it's over. And it, I, I literally like stood there for a second. I was like, oh, I got to rethink everything. It, it, TV's done. These kids don't even watch TV. It means nothing to them. They're somewhere else. Oh, he's on YouTube. He has his own YouTube page. He's nine years old, uploading videos. Like the game has completely changed. And I need to understand this new game. And nobody else is even trying to understand it because you get so indoctrinated in like the success model of your business. Mm -hmm. You go like, I'm a comedian. I must have a sitcom. I must do what Jerry Seinfeld did. I must have specials, right? And I knew that everybody was flowing in that direction. So I was like, holy shit, if I can figure out this new thing, I'm going to be like the first person in that space. Like this can like really Mm -hmm. work out. This is where everybody is going to be. It's the most accessible. I love this clip from our show with Andrew because- it kind of paints the picture of his mindset and his willingness to, to innovate and do something disruptive. And that informs like this story about his new special infamous. Like I think that that mindset is the foundation for how he was thinking about, you know, what happened with infamous. Yeah. And it speaks to trusting your gut too, and Mm -hmm. not necessarily just following what everyone else is doing, but having your own perspective on the world and taking chances based off of what you're experiencing and what you're hearing. Yeah. I think it's like, this applies to a lot of industries. If it's like, Hey, this is the standard. This is what everyone does in the industry. I could either do this. Or if you have a thought, you're like, Oh man, I'm a lawyer. Maybe I should start a podcast or something, you know, like, and I I don't know the direction of your industry is not typically, or not always like just 
what it's going to be in the future. And I think him recognizing that content was going to be free. It was going to be available. It was going to be everywhere, especially comedy. And it was better. It was beneficial for it to be everywhere. Like he was building his brand. That to me is, is a really cool look into his mindset and something that informs what happened with infamous. So as, as you know, Andrew has built this, this audience and, you know, with his podcasts, with everything like started to build, when he came on our show, talked to us about this special. So it's still like in comedy, you're still making specials. And he told us he put seven figures into producing the special. That's a lot of money. Yeah, he put he, a million plus dollars into, into producing a special. And he partnered with a production company to film it and make it. And again, the goal is at the time for him, I'm going to sell this to a streamer, right? This will be a big payout, especially when you put up seven figures, mm-hmm. right? You're looking for a very significant deal. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, the thing is when you get that deal, it's a guarantee. So, you know, you, you, you know, like from the deal that he said he got, you know, you've made the money back. It's a guarantee. I sold this to this, this company, this big media company. And it's also, I think a validation point as a creator, like even for, for you and I, like we could get a, we have a, an interview uh, that has 11 million views on our channel, right? But you and I having an interview that goes up on HBO might feel like more validation in some ways, right? Yep. Or if we had like a Netflix interview show, even if less people watched it there, yeah, there's some level of validation to be like, we have a show on Netflix, mm-hmm. not just we attract an audience on YouTube, but the power is actually in the relationship with your audience, right? Through social. Which alludes to the clip that we want to play next. Do you feel like not just the audience, but at times the platforms encroach on your activity? For the most part, no. No. I mean, like we put out so much crazy shit and they've been like so supportive and like the benefits, like, uh, you know, they outweigh any time we've been demonetized during yeah. these, like, I know that comics and I'm sure that I've done it too, like have made a stink about, uh, you know, censorship and that kind of stuff for the most part. I mean, it's been working out great. And if we have to cater to the rules a little bit, I'm okay with that. Like I'm down to play ball. I think that's important because I think what you have to realize is you are still building your business on rented land. Like that's yeah. still there. Mm-hmm. That's, that's Google. And that's, I'm not going to develop it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to develop it. Like I'm going to, I'm going to rent the land. You got some rules. So cool. They're the landlord. Yeah. yeah. You follow the rules. Yeah. And if anything, the safeguard is Patreon or something like that, like yeah. straight up directly support it. Your safeguards yeah. their right. audience. And they, yeah, which they, is the audience, yeah. like whatever your connection is to them. Yep. But it's a closer connection on something like Patreon than it might be actually on YouTube. 100%. Right. And right. they'll take care of us. And those are the people that provide safety. If every advertiser wants to leave and they really rock with us and they make sure that we can continue to put out that content and we don't um, create with fear. Because yeah. I don't think you can create authentically with fear. No. I think it's a big problem with comics even starting out is they're so concerned about doing the jokes that work so they can get on stage and get these opportunities that they're not developing the jokes that come from inside them. And that's the only place the authenticity is going to come from. Like you can, you can develop the tricks, but at the end of the day, if you really want people to like ride for you, ride for you, like give up their weekend for you, you know what I mean? Like spend their savings, like do whatever they can to be there for that moment. It needs to come from in here. You know, you yeah. need to be saying shit they feel, but they can't articulate. You need to be saying shit they feel, but can't articulate. That's like, he, he said some really profound stuff when we talked to him. We've been listening to that clip back. But that plays so much into 
what happens next with his show, right? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about selling a comedy show to a streamer, but he boils it down to its core element of what it actually is, yeah. which is saying something true and authentic that resonates with people, with someone on the other end. And this is something that's really interesting about just generally existing on the internet right now. There's a pathway right now to figure out a formula that works and that's commercially viable. There is. If you can figure out a way to, to work hard and figure out what's going on in the internet, you can become commercially viable. And I think there's a point where you start making money, where you make a decision if what's more important, being commercially viable or being authentic. Sometimes those line up and your authenticity is commercially viable. But if you're a comedian like Andrew, he says things that most people in an executive room who are making decisions on spending money are going to be like, you can't say that, man. I don't want you to say that. Either an advertiser or, you know, a, a streamer. And that's exactly what happened. There was the streamer that he sold it to said, hey, man, you can't say a few of these things. Can you just cut them out? And it's a real testament that Andrew said, no, can't. I will buy back the special and I'm going to figure out what to do with it. And the reason he can make that move with any confidence at all is because he has that connection to an audience that he knows that they will support him because they may have found him on Instagram or YouTube, mm -hmm. but he knows they've shown up in his Patreon. He knows they've shown up at his shows. So he has some confidence there to take that risk, but it is a huge risk for him to huge take risk. this special that he partnered with a production company on, spent you know over seven figures, and now he goes and releases it on Moment House as a live show. You and I both bought it. Yeah. We paid 15 for bucks. it. 15 bucks. Yeah. I'll gladly pay 15 bucks. I also think, you know, beyond people really, you know, loving Schultz and, and, and loving, uh, you know, his comedy, the messaging of this was a creator empowerment message that, you know, corporate media is not agreeing with what I want to put out my, my authentic self. So I paid them a million plus dollars to buy it back. Yeah. He turned it into a bit of a David and Goliath story. It's a fantastic narrative. Which works yeah. in his narrative. Yeah. It's a really great narrative. And, you know, I think because of that, it was a unique story that mm -hmm. a lot of his friends who were comedians wanted to share. And I think he did a really good job of reaching out. I mean, he reached out to us. He reached out to a bunch of uh, people. He went, he went on Rogan. He went, yeah. he went on a ton of podcasts to tell this story. But again, it's a great story. We're telling the story right now. It's a great story. The Rock posted about it. The Rock it posted about it. Instagram. It's crazy. I was so excited to see that energy of like people getting behind and rallying behind a creator who wanted to put out the thing that they wanted to put out exactly how they wanted to put it out. It's crazy that we're in a world where you can do that now. When we were younger and we, you know, when I wanted to be in entertainment, there was only one path, which was pitch to a TV station. Let's say we wanted to have this show. You, you, we had to pitch to like a radio broadcasting network to put us on the air. Or, but like now we live in a world where we put ourselves on the air. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's such an empowering moment uh, for people and people who have built really strong communities. Now, what ended up happening was within the first weekend, I think it is. Andrew said he 3X'd his money. Yeah, because it was windowed. Yep. Uh, if you went to theandrewschultz.com, you had a certain number of days where you could actually purchase and watch. And right now you actually cannot currently go pay for it and watch it. But yeah, I mean, it was very quickly he put out on Twitter that he had 3X'd his money already. Mm-hmm.
I don't remember which podcast it was on, but he said that he had crossed $4.2 million. And on that same podcast, he also said, now he knows his worth if a streamer ever wanted to do a deal with him again. Because he did a deal in like the, the $1 million range. He said on that podcast, it was not $2 million he did this deal for. So he made a margin that was pretty slim, but actually the value to, to this audience and the storyline and everything was $4 million plus. That's substantial difference. And now think about what could happen the next time he releases a special. Mm-hmm. Because he's proven it works once. Yeah. And that's something that we actually spoke with him about six months ago on the show. Yeah, this is interesting. This is, I don't know. We got to just do something different with it. That's the fun thing. It's not going to yeah. be fun if we do the same thing we've always done. Agreed. Yeah. We got to do something crazy. Mm-hmm. Also, if you create a habit of it over time, it could really, really grow. What do you mean by that? Like, like, let's say this is a model. You figure out some sort of new model. Yeah. Think about that model five, 10 years down the line. If you've yeah. done it again and again and again, and you have repeat customers, uh, there is a musician who's been releasing all of her music videos as NFTs. And she's not a huge musician, mm. but if you look at her track record of like, it's like exponentially growing every, every time she song. sells a yeah. music video. Yeah, it's crazy. Cause the culture is growing that it's like, this is how we as a community do it. Support her. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to play the guessing game real quick? Uh, you know, I hate the guessing game. I know you hate the guessing game, but can we just play just, can you just, I feel pressured into it. Today is my birthday. So can you just <laughs> play the game? All right. Yeah. Okay. Fine. How many patrons does Andrew Schultz's podcast flagrant have on Patreon? I hate this game, Samir. Yeah. Uh, 8,000? 19,897. How much money does that make up per month? This is a two-part guessing game. Damn it, Samir. Only because it's your birthday. Yeah. Uh, so just about uh, 20,000 people. 80,000. $95,000 a All month. Right. I actually feel pretty good about those guesses. Yeah, they were, they were fun. Um, so, yeah, I guess the guessing game isn't that fun. I when the person just, gets it right. Yeah, it's not that fun. I it was pretty close. Yeah, yeah. Because the fun Takes is the fun like out of it. if you said a thousand and no, I was like no, 20,000. No, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's way more fun. Okay. But back to the point of why I'm saying that is what you were just talking about is habit building. So if, if you say, hey, you know what? We have a culture of our audience supporting our creativity, right? Via Patreon. When you release on Moment House, all these patrons are like, this is, yeah, this is my relationship with Andrew he makes stuff I enjoy and I pay for it. That is such an important thing, right? When you have that depth of connection with your audience, when they are investing and they backing you Mm -hmm. like that, it's not like he was like, this is for my patrons. It's like, no, this is a different piece, but this is the culture we have. And it's not like he can't eventually sell it to a streamer. Yeah. Everyone wants what they can't have. Imagine if he does five to 10 of these specials and continues to hold out. Mm Mm-hmm. And continues to grow his profile as a yeah. comedian via YouTube, his podcast, for sure, all of that. The streamers that eventually would want to own that library would pay mm-hmm. a lot more, mm-hmm. right? That's when you're looking at, you know, maybe ten years from now, the Dave Chappelle type numbers, for sure. When it comes to purchasing shows, it's about scarcity. Dave yeah. Chappelle was gone for so long, and he had these special shot, and then the price was so high. Yeah, he can intentionally keep his specials from the streamers. I think this is a scary prospect for streamers and networks that, you know, an independent creator can generate four plus million dollars on an, on a semi-independent website, right? Like you can hit up moment house as a creator and say, I want to put something out. Rhett and link, put stuff out there. Cody and Noel put stuff out there. Like, it's not like, I don't know. The, the, the keys are not as 
challenging to find now as a creator. If you're making good work and you have community behind you, you can do this stuff. Even Andrew tweeted out the other day that some people missed the deadline to watch Infamous. So he was like, should we push it another week? And the community's like, yeah, push it another week. He's like doing it with the community. That's such an empowering thing to do um, that this is like the audience is backing this. He's building a relationship with them. And you're right. When he does this again, like, like this is the culture. And, and I think he's disrupting and pushing the culture forward in comedy, which is so powerful. Like put out your own special, build an audience, do the work, put out the clips and then distribute your own special. It's indicative of what's happening in other mm-hmm. artistic industries, right? In music, yeah. there are so many artists who are now going independent because yeah. they no longer need to rely on the major labels for what they used to provide, which yeah. was distribution or help with touring. I mean, look at what Yes Theory. Yes Theory had a $1.25 million deal on paper in front of them and they backed out of it to release their movie independently. You know, like this is happening a lot more and I think it's because creators are recognizing that what these people want, what what the streamer wants is your relationship with your audience. I also just don't think it's either or. It's first to audience. Yeah, that's true. First you tear it off to the people who want to support you the most. Mm-hmm. And then it can go to streamers yeah. to access yeah. a much wider audience. So I have a question. How would you feel if we were in this situation? We make something, someone buys it for a million plus dollars. They tell us to edit it. Um, that's a tough one. I mean, it depends what they wanted us to change. If it was significant, then I would go in a Andrew Schultz direction. I wouldn't want something that we spent a lot of time on that we were proud of to go up in a place where there are lots of people watching yeah. and it's not something we're proud of anymore. And now all of these people are potentially accessing us for the first time mm. and it's not representative of, of who, who we are. are. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'd I, rather take the time to just put it out how we want it and build. I find it challenging to think about because we are very partnership based as a, as a business and as creatives, we are people who have found a way to be commercially viable and work with a lot of brand partners and a lot of platforms and work in a way where, you know, like those partners are fueling our, our careers. And I think it gets challenging to think about like having a partner ask you to do something. And like it, when you're built like that, it is, it is sometimes challenging to be like, well, yeah, okay. Let me work together. We're partners. Let me work with you on this. Okay. Yeah. You want that joke cut. All right. But let, can I put it out on YouTube? You know, like there's, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of ways around it. I really respect the line in the sand. Yeah. I really do respect it. And I I find it challenging to think about myself in this scenario and honestly think that I would do the same thing, but I am inspired after this story to do something like to, to make sure that everything we're putting out is, is absolutely as authentic as possible, you know, and that it's like, we're not compromising on that. Yeah. I'm also incredibly inspired to launch a Patreon. Because I think that's like to, to build that relationship with the audience where what I'm just saying right now is like we are we are heavily partnership based to understand what is valuable to the audience by them, you know, putting their money down that that actually I think is really interesting because it builds a different level of relationship between us. Mm-hmm. Like we are making stuff that we want to make sure is valuable for you because you are spending your money on it. Yeah. It feels a lot more pure, right? There's no other inputs. There's no one else in the way. It's not, there's no algorithms. Yeah. It's just, do you like this? You know, we had you in mind a hundred percent. Yeah. Not, you know, with an algorithmic perspective, you put something out on YouTube, you're actually looking for your core audience 
and via all of the, the other people, people yeah, yeah, right, yeah, who may get access sure. to it. And and when you have a brand partner or someone's paying for it, right, then it's like you also have them in mind. So yeah. it's like this pure connection. And I think I think comedians um, have done this well. I think Andrew Schultz is paving the way for this. And we wanted to to bring up this story and highlight the story because I think it's a really important one for creators and creatives to recognize like where is the industry headed and and how are creators thinking. And if you haven't checked out Andrew Schultz, check him out. You know, you can still watch his special infamous. I think uh, it's on Moment House um, still. Uh, so check it out if you want to check it out. If not, check out his podcast. Is it? I don't think it is right now. Oh, it's not anymore? Unless he's extended it since that tweet. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. But if not, check him out and just listen to our episode that we did with him. It's a great, like just inside the mind of a very innovative creator right now. All right. Well, Colin. Samir. It's your birthday. It is. I'm 33 today. Happy birthday. Thanks, man. I didn't, did you think that you, you, you and I would be 33 looking at each other? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. good. I mean, yeah. for, yeah. That's yeah. great. Not maybe in the first couple of years. I thought but. I'd be retired by this point. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, I thought, I'd, right be, I, I thought I'd be like, yeah. you know, but here we are, you know, yeah, sitting and talking here to here each other into each mics. Other, so. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right. Here's to another 10. <laughs> and we'll be doing it again in a couple days. So see you on Thursday. Already. All right. See yeah. ya.